Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. This is our co-host, Randy Griggs. We're coming to you live from Lot B and Lot B- minus out here, Randy, in very comfortably warm California. How are you feeling today? I'm doing fantastic. Like you said, the weather is actually great out. Um, you know, life is good, man. Excited to roll on to uh, to this next segment of uh, season two, as we're going to be getting into one of my absolute favorite tobaccos. Um, so I'm really excited about kicking it off uh, Corojo here today. We're going to be smoking some really good cigars in this. Yeah. When we talk about this rapper, man, these next four episodes are going to be great. Um, <clears throat> Flavor Odyssey brought to you by the fine folks at Drew Estate. Randy, Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars. Thank you guys for uh, supporting us uh, as we take our uh, our journey through these uh, these rappers here in season two. Um, how's everything going in Colorado, boys? Wow. Well, I tell you what, uh, it's been a busy week. Me and Jordan have been busting our hump on some stuff, some exciting stuff that we can't wait to share with all of you guys, but uh, not quite ready for that yet, huh, Jordan? Sorry. I'm Jordan, are you, uh, Jordan, are you on the, you're on the show? Holy I mean. cow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think he literally put it on the wrong screen oh, right dude. before he went to talk to someone. Oh, jeez. <laughs> So I, I did get some rip here. It looks sort of like this. I don't know. Does this count? Is this, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's some Perfect. thick root beer. Yeah. That is an interesting brand of root beer. Uh, I haven't seen that one before. You know, what are you going to do? Baby. But I can't. Uh, like, I'm going to echo what uh, what Rob said. I like to just sit back and, and listen to you guys. But this these next four episodes, because if it's anything like this cigar, which we'll be smoking tonight, oh, my God. I could do this. I could do this for... 64 episodes straight and be happy. <laughs> I think that's that's going to be season three, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there just you. just the, the Corojo season. <clears throat> yeah. I like it. I'm going to make it. Jordan, the, 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 worst the beard is coming in. The beard's coming in nicely, Jordan. Looks Oof. good. I, it's a little thin. <laughs> not, that's all right. Not so that's good. That's all right. <laughs> 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 Did you shave what? the front of your face and just not down does below? Does it just grow in all white trashy like that on its own? Yes, it does. <laughs> it knows. Once, it knows. Once, uh, once puberty hits, that thing's really going to take off. <laughs> That's uh, what I keep telling <laughs> So, uh, Randy, we have got a, uh, a special guest tonight. As uh, everybody knows, when we're kicking off a new rapper, this is our second rapper 
season two. We are bringing in um, a guest to talk about that rapper. And when it comes to Corojo, as far as I'm concerned, there's uh, there's really one guy to talk to. That's Dion Giolito from Illusione Cigars. Dion, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us today. My pleasure. Mm. Yeah, this is, um, I mean, when it comes to Corojo, man, you uh, you use it quite often. You, uh, but you also, but that, but that's not, normally you'd say if somebody does something all the time, it's almost like a put down. It's like, oh, so you're always kind of doing the same thing. You're using, you use this wrapper very often. I don't know. Almost, the, of a almost exclusively with the exception of just a couple, three brands. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. 80% of 80, 85% of the cigars you make mm-hmm. feature Corojo wrapper. Now different yeah. uh, styles of Corojo, we'll get into that, but. Um, and to get so many different expressions is, uh, is just amazing. So I'm happy to have you here, uh, to, uh, talk with us about, uh, this particular rapper, but first I need you to set me straight. Cause we were talking about this before the show started. I've been calling this cigar hot 10. Is that correct? Is that not correct? Yeah. yeah so the hot or the hot oats, oat 10, you know, comes from like, uh, oat couture, you know, mm-hmm. hot couture. So you could say hot. I think it's probably the best way to say it. Hoat. Hoat. You know, like Hoat. boat, only with an H. Well, now I have to look up Hoat Couture. We don't have time for that. Can you elaborate just slightly? Yeah, Hoat <laughs> Couture is, uh, you know, just bespoke clothing. Um, oh. Nope. What all? <clears throat> Um, yeah, when no. they had that one big show, I think in in France or Canada, whatever, wherever they do it, you know, they have that boat, that haute couture show where they just show the total wacky one of a kind creations um, that that they do, and I believe that's what they refer to as uh, haute haute couture. Fantastic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, when it comes to the fashion world. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I still wear cargo shorts, so I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> like almost exclusively. So I, well, no, as far I, mean, as I, I think it's, go. I think you got, it, it's pretty much now. I think the whole industry, the industry as a whole is turned into the Pete Johnson army. It's all black t-shirts and jeans, you know, so, which is cool, you know, which is fine. I mean, that was me for like my first 20, 30 years as well. You know, my life, I just, if it wasn't a black shirt, t-shirt, I wasn't wearing it. It's it, and it's amazing that both Randy and I are wearing black t-shirts. <laughs> everybody, see, everybody I see on the screen is wearing a goddamn black t-shirt. Um, <laughs> hold on now. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Oh, wait. Wait. I'm just proud that me and you aren't wearing the same shirt. Yeah, that's this true. Week. Hey, there was an interesting. There was an interesting discussion before the show too about the Illusioni name, and uh, let, let's cover that too. Like. Uh, People have said, argued back and forth on Facebook, Illusion, Illusioni. Let's set everybody straight, Dion. Yeah, so the, the, proper, the proper way to say it, I think, uh, in its Italian form is Illusioni. Thank you. Illusioni, right. So, uh, but it, it's really a Mediterranean word, right? Uh, or a uh, Latin American word as well. So, like, when you talk... When you talk to, you know, Nicaraguans or Latin Americans, it's ilusión. Um, when you talk to, you know, like when, 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 I, when the Cubans would say it, it's ilusiones, you know. So it's, 
It is a little different uh, uh, vocabulary and verbiage and a little slight different twist. But, you know, really you say illusione is the proper way to say it. You can say illusion. You can say it pretty much, you know, like I said before, we we live in America. You can say it however you damn well please. So, and, and, and it's not going to. It's not going to offend me one bit. So. so you just make cigars that are really hard to pronounce. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we've learned so far <laughs> in, this, so in this episode. Oh, that's good. That's, um, I'm going to stick with the, uh, the Italian, uh, give it a little flair. I like that. Yeah. Illusione. Illusione. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. A little Italian flair. Randy, let's get into our pairings here real quick uh, before we start diving into the leaf. Uh, we're, going, um, we're going non-alk today yes Ooh, what's uh what are you sipping on uh so i decided to go um I, I gotta preface this with i haven't drank soda in probably a decade uh it's not something i really imbibe in but as i got into cigars you know i see all the time on the dojo app a lot of people going with cream sodas with dr pepper with dude dr pepper beer. number one is that it okay oh, so so we forever. already blew we already blew it because uh, we went with root beer for for today's episode. I was able to find one I've never had before, but I oh, drink I, I drink their ginger beer all the time, so I figured you know I'd, I'd give their root beer a shot. Uh, so I'm I'm drinking the the Australian family owned Bundaberg out of the little squatty bottle. <laughs> a squatty bottle, I like that. Is that the uh, technical? term the official industry uh, term it, it, yeah it, in the glass world you know i i, I dabble uh it's, it's the squatty <laughs> indeed. <laughs> indeed they actually make a uh, a ginger beer a, a spiced ginger beer that comes out around christmas time oh really and my wife will she'll i can i guarantee you we have at least two or three four packs over here she'll buy cases of it when it comes out because she likes it so much and you mix that with a little bit of uh, <clears throat> so a little bit of bourbon very tasty. Mm. Um, I don't drink a lot of soda either, Randy, and you haven't had it in you know two decades. And for some reason, this was your idea. <laughs> um, so uh, I uh, I went and picked up the only uh, root beer that I spotted at my local place. It wasn't just a basic A and W, and this is River City uh, root beer, which I assume comes from Sacramento, but I can't really Ooh. seem to find. Yeah, one would guess. I, I saw that in the store it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, River City. They've got a, a, a recipe on the side here for the River City Black Cow, which is not a very appealing name. But it is, it's basically just a, uh, a root beer float, which I do enjoy, but with chocolate syrup in it. So Ran take something Randy, what, de what defines a root beer, Randy? Uh, a root beer is actually a, a soda, unlike a cola. Uh, it uses a, a variety of... Uh, of of uh, botanicals, if you will, and uh, and and some of them being roots. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, Nailed it. I, I don't I, think anything uh, that you said is wrong. Let's just no, roll with it. No, I, I'm accurate. I mean, and it wasn't as descriptive as I've been with many, many other things in the past. I have made a batch from scratch before, uh, but it was a long, long time ago, and I don't remember exactly what went into it. Do you know? Do you happen to know right off the top of your head what the difference between root beer and sarsaparilla is? You know what? I looked that up just recently, and I don't remember. Gosh, oh, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Jeez, Randy. No, we, we, we looked it up for this show. <clears throat> All right. So, okay, we got that out of the way. 
And I can tell you so far, the pairing is going quite well. It's, uh, I'm, it's the root beer surprisingly uh, not, not as sweet as I anticipated it. Uh, I find the older I get, the more um, sensitive I am to things that are really sweet. Um, like I put, you know, if I was, if we had lemonade in the fridge, which we never have, and I fill my glass halfway with water before I put any lemonade in, wow. otherwise, it's too, otherwise it's too sweet. Like I don't, I'm, get get off my lawn. I know, but uh, <laughs> it's um, official. You're old. <laughs> just gotta, just want to make sure nobody touches the garbage cans. Um, anyway, uh, we can we can move on. Uh, Dion, let's uh, let's dive in to the the Corojo once you get your cigar lit up there. This, sure. This uh, okay, so we're going with with hout hout. Is that what you decided? Hout, 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 like boat. Hout, 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 So, Dion, most of the stuff that you make, I think, is just phenomenal. I, I thank you. Love, I love about like ninety-eight percent of your cigars. I think there was one that I didn't think was phenomenal. <laughs> I thought was pretty good, but the rest of them are just amazing. Uh, yeah, you guys knew this was going to happen. He's on my Mount Rushmore twice. <laughs> wow. Um, that's, that's a fact. Yeah, we have given him a hard time uh, for quite true. a while. We asked him to name the, his top four blenders, his Mount Rushmore of blenders. And, Rob, what's, what's your go-to response to that? It's, uh, it's Dion and Pete and Dion and Pete. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, – that's, that's, and, and that's that was uh, – that was a bit of uh, hyperbole. We were just kind of joking around when it came up. But you both would be on there. There's, I can, Thank you. there's plenty of uh, other names to fit on that list. But yeah, totally. Um, but this is this cigar. Every time I smoke it, I wonder why I don't smoke it very much, much more often. Like, why don't I smoke this like three times Every a day? day. <laughs> it's so so phenomenal. Um, Thank you. But let's let's talk a little bit about the Corojo. Tell us, you know, a bit about the the Corojo leaf and what really. I mean, obviously, you're drawn to this leaf. Yeah, what is it about sure. this leaf that, uh, that that sparks your interest? So back in the day when I first met, you know, the consortium, you know, the farmers, uh, Eduardo Fernandez, uh, Paul Palmer, everybody back in the day um, when Eduardo had just recently, maybe a year or so, had brought over a group of uh, uh, Cuban agronomists, farmers from Cuba to Nicaragua to help them sort out his uh, his, his fields, they grow basically two types of tobacco and it's primarily most, if not everything they grow, Criollo 98 and Corojo 99. Now the, the Cubans back in the day, they really, really gravitated towards the Criollo tobaccos. Um, both seeds were native of Cuba, uh, as much as possible over the years, what they've done is they have brought over first generation seeds from Cuba and then planted those into Nicaraguan soil. Now it doesn't necessarily make it good, bad or indifferent, or it doesn't make it better than anything else. That's just kind of what, you know, they, they, they've done over the years when they've been able to get seeds back from Cuba, you know, when they've smuggled them in their, uh, their, their bags. But, um, so again, the Cubans, particularly Arsenio Ramos, he loved the Criollo tobaccos because it reminded him of, the areas and the tobaccos in the regions that he was familiar with in Cuba. It, it, it just had a flavor that was familiar with it. It tied him, it tied him back to home. Um, so they also at the time were growing Corojo wrapper, 
uh, not only Corojo wrapper, but Corojo um, uh, filler and, and binder and stuff like that in, in different areas, mainly up in the Jalapa region. So they didn't use a lot of it back in their blends back in the day. So when I went in, uh, I, I had noticed that their, their, their blends were very brash, very bright, very sharp, and very strong, you know, because the Criollo tobaccos, particularly uh, in, in Esteli and Condega, uh, combined with the soil composition and the sun and the amount of uh, uh, rain that it gets, it tends to be really, really strong, very, very palate-forward tobaccos. So um, when we sat down and we were going through, you know, various things, the various tobaccos that they had and blends, um, I came across uh, the Corojo tobacco, which they used in in some in some fashions, but really they didn't they didn't like you know the Cubans didn't like the Corojo for you know whatever reason they liked the Criollo. So uh, what I found in the in in the the Corojo was that it just adds this this sweetness and almost like this textural uh, level that kind of brings down the Criollo tobaccos and kind of rounds it out. So as we were going through the blending processes back in 2004, 2005, and, you know, kind of jumping into the deep end, getting experience with their tobaccos, um, I really started leaning more towards the Corojo tobaccos because, you know, Patrick Legreed said something that was very, that was very poignant. And we had this conversation, you know, years ago. And because Corojo tends to be a little sweeter, a little more aromatic, a little more flavor, uh, in, in my opinion, uh, flavorful, but different types of flavors. So Patrick said something that was, uh, you know, really interesting. This Patrick Legreed from uh, Half Wheel. And he says, well, that kind of goes back to the caveman days. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, when cavemen were out foraging for, you know, like various fruits and berries and stuff, um, the rule of thumb was sweet was safe and bitter was bad. Bitter was poisonous. So as you were foraging, the way that they were able to tell something was good versus something that was not good or something that would kill them is, you know, the sweetness. So the cavemen would collect sweet things. And so subconsciously, I think over the years, as we've developed as human beings, uh, I, I would like to think we've developed and evolved, but uh, <laughs> with regards to taste and flavor, we've always, I think, built into our DNA, built into our subconscious. Sweet is safe, and everybody leans towards sweet. So this was kind of the basis of uh, putting together Illusioni original documents. And Corojo has always been a, a, a component that I use in practically all of my blends, if, if not every single one. There might be one or two blends that might be a little more Criollo forward, but by and large, it's based around the Corojo tobacco itself and enhanced with different uh, types or varieties or farms uh, or regions uh, with uh, uh, other types of uh, components like, say, Criollo. And that putting together the entire uh, recipe, if you will, you essentially come up with a blend. You know, it's funny, you, you you mentioned it a few times there, Dion, uh, the Criollo tobaccos. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just uh, and to be clear, I really love to geek out on this show. And uh, there's an article that I'm a huge fan of. Um, it came out of Smoked Magazine in 2004 called The Tale of Two Seeds. That actually indicates that uh, both Criollo 98 and Corojo 99 both 
derived from the original Cuban Criollo seeds. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I, I just wanted to clarify for our listeners that when you're referring to Criollo sure. uh, tobaccos, you, you are referring to both the Criollo and the Corojo uh, 98, 99. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and the thing that made it so attractive to farmers and to people that were, you know, growing tobacco, selling tobacco, was that those particular seeds worked very well. They grew very well in Nicaraguan uh, soils. Um, they didn't develop really any issues that, that uh, you could get from tobaccos like black shank, blue mold. Um, they were a very, very hardy seed that you can, uh, that you can plant in Nicaragua that was very compatible, I guess you would say. So uh, there, there are two workhorses, I think, that, um, that Eduardo has found, and not only Eduardo, but many other growers, I think, in Central America have just found that these two particular varieties um, are, are very much workhorses uh, in our industry. Now, that being said, planting a Corojo seed in Jalapa on a particular farm, or maybe even in Honduras, like in, say, like a, uh, in Trojes, or you take that same seed and you plant it in Condega or Esteli or Ometepe, those seeds come up wildly different in, in taste and flavor. You know, so not only is it the seed that's important, but it's also the climate, it's the soil composition, it's the amount of sun, the amount of rain uh, that it gets uh, tobacco in the beginning of the season with shorter um, with, with, with shorter light in the air, you know, with shorter sun um, can come up differently as opposed to uh, longer in the season. If you're getting a third uh, a yield or a fourth yield out of it can even come up differently within the same uh, within the same farm. So it's mm. really important that you do get out. Uh, you know, me personally, this is kind of like 85 percent of what I do in Nicaragua is going through all the vintages of stuff that's coming through fermentation and through uh, the uh, uh, through pre-industria and smoking it and making sure, first and foremost, that the taste of that tobacco is right for the particular uh, for the particular uh, cigar that I'm using it for. And, uh, you know, Corojo tends to be, for me, it tends to be a little more reliable. It's, it, it doesn't have a lot of, um, I'd say like, it's, it has a very tight bandwidth. Now, there are some years when it could be very strong or it could be very mild, depending on how much sun it gets. If it gets too much sun or if it gets too much, you know, too much uh, water, and there's a lot of, you know, cloud cover. The leaves will get a lot bigger the, the, the bigger and thinner. They'll kind of get washed out. So you kind of have to go up a priming um, to achieve that same uh, uh, flavor within the context of the blend. But by and large, Corojo has always been kind of a consistent tobacco for me to use uh, in, in that regard. Um, whereas I found, you know, sometimes, you know, Criollo can be more of like a wild horse. It could be like a wild Mustang. It could be... The- very tame and very sweet and, and very, almost very benign. And then other years it can be wild. It can be all over the place. It can be very strong. It can, you know, attack your palate or it could just be very spicy. So the combination of sweet tobaccos and spicy tobaccos it's, is key. It's like what, you know, Michael Cusano said a long time ago with, uh, uh, with regards to his blend, you know, you can, you can treat one, you could treat one tobacco as peanut butter and one as jelly, 
you know, and you can't have a peanut butter sandwich without the jelly, right? I mean, if you make a peanut butter sandwich just by itself, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a tragedy. So you do need that, <laughs> that counterplay, you know, the, the sweet with the spicy, the, you know, everything to bring it together to, to create a balance, right? So, so nothing is off kilter, nothing is, uh, no tobacco is speaking uh, louder than another tobacco. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the context of the blend. And Corojo, to me, uh, through the blending process, is is the great, uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 it solves a lot of problems, you know, that, that can that can come up. It's not, a great not equalizer. Not a lot of problems, but a lot, yeah, it's an equalizer. It, it can, it can, it can um, overcome hurdles. It can help you overcome hurdles uh, through the blending process. I, I like how you said that uh, when you're blending a cigar... And this is one of the things that I love about what you do is no tobacco speaks louder than the other. There's, and to me, that, that's, that's a, a, a beautiful way to, to describe balance, right? You've got, you've got to have these balanced flavors. You're not, you're not tipping too far in one direction right. or not far enough or, or whatever. And finding that balance, I think, um, and doing just creative things with Nicaraguan tobacco um, is uh, is what I love about what you do. What is what is your favorite cigar that you make? What do you find yourself smoking the most? Gosh, so I'm I'm constantly jumping around and it, and it really it's it, it's weird because I like I like cigars that are really close to the table, right? So if I, after I've reviewed some tobaccos and I'm smoking them off the table, it's kind of like birthing something. It's your new baby. Now now you're enamored <laughs> with it. you're like oh man, this is this is fantastic. Now it's essentially the same technically, you know, as the others because that's what we strive to do is maintain consistency week to week, month to month, year to year in order to have that same flavor. I think that's one of the things that has made us successful as a company is, is uh, consistency through uh, the blending process. And, you know, I'll, I'll quote somebody else, you know, like Rocky Patel, when he said it early on, it's, it's very easy to make one thing really good. It's, however, very difficult to make a lot of things at the same uh, quality. And, you know, when you start making more cigars, it's okay. Do you want to wait till the right tobaccos are come up for use? Or do you want to say, well, you know what? This is okay. This is good enough for them. Let's let it go. And, you know, maybe they won't notice. And to, to me, that's not an option. It's never been an option. I can't do it. Uh, I, I learned a really good word and a very powerful word early on. Uh, through this whole process, and it's a very liberating word, and that word is no. If it's not not right, if something gets in there that's not right, if there's a fly in the soup, you know, what do you do? You send it back, right? So if it's not the tobaccos that I've selected that I've set aside, uh, or maybe something has changed either in the mechanical process of putting the tobaccos together in such a way that they need to be put together within the context of the bunch or another bale of, uh, say, binder gets selected that maybe they think is agreeable or acceptable without my knowledge, I can tell immediately. Now, it's not to say that it's going to be bad or worse or any different in the market, but I know. And I can't look in your eyes and say that cigar you're smoking with that one bad leaf in there is still good. Even, you know, when I know in my heart that it's not right. So I say no. And they all go away. You know, I've, I've refuted, refused as many as 30,000 cigars uh, wow. just for that one reason. You know, um, 
and it's really it's not a badge of honor because we all share we all share in success at the factory and and we all share in mistakes and failure and so when that happens you know it's just as much my fault as it is anybody else's there because i i wasn't you know on top of it enough or maybe somebody there wasn't doing the job so we all have a specific job that we do at the factory and we all have to be working in tandem to make sure that the product that we put out is going to be uh, not only of the best quality, but consistent, you know, and I can't stress that, you know, the, 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 the cigar makers that have been around the longest Padron, Fuente, Davidoff, you can go down the list. The reason why they are still here today and they are still relevant is because of consistency. Well, you know, if I if I could ask something real quick, and this stems from a um, a listener question as we were going, um, but you did mention, you you know, you don't put things out until they're right, Dion. Mm -hmm. I I think this kind of plays because if I remember correctly, the uh, the Hope Ten came out Mm -hmm. in a single Toro size upon its uh, uh, initial release, and Mm -hmm. then later you you brought other. uh, I believe two more uh, right. uh, releases out. Uh, we had an audience question asking what you would say is the is the best expression of this blend. Uh, which Vitola would, would you uh, guide someone towards? So, when we blend when we blend uh, cigars, there are some companies that blend to the specific size, right? So, like say in Hanky's uh, case, in Davidoff's case, they blend to the size. So, let's take for instance the. Davidoff Nicaragua series, right? Now, within the context of their five or six cigars that they have in there, it's all their cigars are blended to the individual size. So what I find, so if, if I smoke, a, 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 and, and that's just the way they do it, that's the way they've always done it, and it's been successful for them. Sure. Um, but I can tell you, hands down, that the best cigar within that, the context of those uh, of, of that brand is the Diadema's Venus. Mm-hmm. Robusto doesn't smoke like the Diadema. The short uh, Churchill doesn't smoke. None of them smoke like the Diadema. Okay, so it was always my mindset to say, well, if somebody's favorite cigar is a Churchill, okay, a Churchill cigar like this, right? Because it gives them everything they want in that flavor. And say, like maybe it's winter time or whatever, and they're like, well, I don't have time to smoke. A big cigar. It's just too friggin' cold outside. I'm in my garage, whatever. Um, so, uh, in in you know, within context of my 68, we have to blend flavor-wise to the 68 to make that flavor exactly like the Triple Eight. Now it's a little more difficult because you're essentially blending a new cigar. You're creating a new cigar within the context of the size. So if I have 10, if I have, say, if I, I have 10 or 12 cigars in the Illusioni original documents, right? Well, each one of those cigars is a unique and individual blend because it's not just by percentages or it's not just by, you know, uh, uh, um, um, the amount of leaves or, you know, there's three leaves in this, but there's two and a half in this and one in that. You just can't scale that down with that formula. Sometimes you have to add more, take away less in order to achieve the same flavor so ultimately long story short coming back around when you smoke one of illusioni cigars whether it's a little 68 all the way up to you know the number one presidente or the a size they will have the same flavor throughout large to small because again that's consistency throughout the line because 
who am I to tell someone? It's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, go. You, you can only smoke that one cigar in my line because that's only the way it's going to taste. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, 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 it does a disservice, right? So um, not only consistency in the cigars, but consistency throughout the flavor within the respective lines, you know, whether it's Illusione Corojo, Illusione Maduro, Illusione Candela, uh, Hote, uh, Fundia more everything. They all have to have the same flavor from wall to wall, top to bottom, little cigar to big cigar. Hey, Robbie, Randy, I got a quick question um, for uh, Dion. Uh, Dion, the Hoten is billed as being triple sorted. And uh, mm-hmm. this is sort of, I guess, a two-part question. Um, sure. The triple sorting, is it for presentation purposes no. or is it for no. flavor purposes and if it it's is for flavor purposes okay so if it is for yeah. flavor purposes how does the triple sorting help in that process sure. like what are you sorting what are you looking for in that third sort yeah, what or can second they see third, right. that translates right. to flavor right. <laughs> yeah so i'll, I'll, I'll Great take question. you through I'll, I'll take you through a little process so first of all when the tobacco comes out uh when the tobacco comes out of the pilones the big pilones it's and it goes into uh, when they goes into the sorting room, they sort by texture and by size and by uh, uh, priming. OK, so that's your first sorting. Your second sorting is when it goes into your bales. OK, whether it's Seco Viso, Ligero, um, you know, whatever priming you have, it could be, you know, third cutting, fourth cutting, fifth cutting um, all, all the way up uh, the, the, the top into the bottom of the leaf. The third sorting comes where after the tobacco has been aging in the bales you take those bales apart and then you resort them so what you're looking for in that third sorting is you're looking for a couple of things you're looking for texture you're making sure that the that the leaves are uh, so if i'm using seiko which that's predominantly uh that cigar is predominantly seiko it's about 68 percent of that filler is seiko from one farm it's one leaf from one farm so it becomes really important when you do that because now all the leaves have to, you know, not only smoke the same, perform the same, but more importantly, you know, the color of the leaf has to be the same as well. So if you take a leaf, sometimes the leaves at the bottom can be very light, you know, at the feet. And then as you go up the leaf to where you get to the, to the point of the leaf, it can become dark. Well, essentially in that leaf right there, you're going to have two different dynamics of flavors you're going to have you're going to have a you know where it's darker at the top of the leaf you're going to have one type of flavor and as you go down to the middle of the leaf and even to the bottom where it gets lighter uh it's going to be a completely different uh uh flavor component so that's where the third sorting comes through is making sure that there is consistency from tip to tail from tip to feet not you know in the in the color of the leaf but also the texture of the leaf and making sure that the cell structure hasn't broken down. So when you're holding it up to the life, you don't, you know, you don't, you don't see little pinholes, which can be a product of over fermentation uh, or other things. So it's, it's, it's a very labor intensive process that, uh, that, that we have to do. And I have to remind them to do it every time I'm there because they can kind of get ahead of themselves and, and, and rush, but it's, it's immediately noticeable. Okay. I can give you two different leaves I can give you the same priming leaf, okay? Say it's like we're using cutting, say like we're using cutting five, okay? And I have a leaf that's nice golden brown, tan brown, whatever from from top to bottom, and then I have one that's 
you know, that might have a little blotchiness or might be a little lighter on the bottom, I can roll two tabacanos and give them to you and they will smoke completely differently, oh. you know? So that's where that comes in. And gotcha. so uh, again, when you're using those types of lower priming tobaccos, it's for me, it's, it's essential to do that because, you know, you can have eight leaves, you can have six to eight leaves in one cigar. Okay. Now you would think that six to eight leaves is pretty much going to dominate the blend. It's going to be that, but if you have one leaf, okay, one leaf, one bad leaf, one bad binder can ruin the entire cigar. Okay. It could ruin all that beautiful tobacco that, that you've taken the time and energy to sort, to uh, bunch, to roll, to put together. So it's critical um, in, in a lot of instances, not only in the hot, but uh, all the other cigars too that uh, you know that I make that that uh, leaf selection uh, is, is 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 critical because one leaf can ruin not only one cigar but it can ruin thousands of cigars. Wow. Okay, you know I gotta ask because uh, you know so your relationship with Agonorsa Leaf is uh, you know, well known within the industry. Obviously, um, I'm I'm not speaking out of line to say that all these tobaccos exclusively come from Agonorsa Leaf, correct? Um. You know, again, like we alluded to earlier, I mean, so we do use uh, uh, San Andreas Maduro for a cover leaf okay. for some of our Maduro. And then on the Garage East, I use uh, Holano Ecuador. Okay. But by and large, it's all Criollo 98, Corojo 99 with a Corojo wrapper, you know, Corojo wrapper of uh, different shades, depending on the shade and the type and, 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 and what I'm looking for, uh, not only in aesthetics, which is the most important thing that comes to a wrapper leaf, but uh, uh, secondary, uh, secondarily, in the flavor. And I can mm -hmm. I, I can get you know a little into that uh, in a bit. Okay. Well, well, the the, uh, the 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 question that I had is you know is that one of the main pillars? Is this third sorting? Is you just kind of basically mm -hmm. highlighted that you get to cherry pick the most consistent and high quality leaves out of a single bunch? Is that one of those? elements that you've talked about of why that's such a great relationship that they allow you to come in and take yeah. the very best leaves out of that bunch. Um, is, is that purely relationship? Are you charged yeah. a higher, higher, uh, kind of bill as, as a result of, well, we'll give you the best stuff, but it's going to cost you a little more per pound kind of thing or. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, everything that we do right up until getting the finished product, you know, is inconsequential. I, you know, they're contracted out for to deliver um, uh, price-wise a complete cigar, right? Now, so what they've done is they've given me a tremendous amount of liberty and carte blanche in that I'm able to go through Eduardo's uh, uh, facility and just, you know, root through his tobacco, right? Wow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's, it's a pretty unique situation that I have in that, you know, I don't know of too too many people, if any, that can just walk into an operation and say, <laughs> "Okay, go at it. I'll uh, see you for dinner tonight," or right. you know, whatever, what the case may be. But it's, you know, they have a lot of responsibility as well. But then again, it, allevi it alleviates some of the responsibility from them and puts a lot of the responsibility on my shoulders too, because I'm looking for specific things. And as I let them know the specific things they're looking for, then it becomes easy for them. So uh, over the years, I've just I've, I've gravitated towards uh, specific types, specific styles, 
uh, of tobaccos, not only the way that they perform, but more importantly, the way they hit the palate. You know, the palate stimulation, um, the way it brings water to uh, water to your mouth, the way it makes you salivate, how it treats your uh, olfactory, uh, and even your subconscious. You know, what sometimes the cigar you're smoking right now, you're not going to get what it's telling you until like maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes later, you'd be taking a shower and go, oh man, you know, that's what it was. Or, you know, so it's, it's a very subconscious thing that, you know, not only conscious upfront, but subconscious. And that's kind of why we have that phrase, uh, deep in flavor, deep in your mind, right? Because it goes just beyond the physical um, aspect of smoking a cigar. It goes subliminally, it goes subconsciously. And Corojo Leaf, for me, really provides a lot of that um, subliminal, that subconscious, uh, you know, stimulation. That's freaking awesome <laughs> yeah just, just keep going man i could just i'm just sitting here listening this is great um no this has been very enjoyable randy or uh eric there was a question that popped up there i couldn't quite read it but somebody had a specific question for dion did, did, are you talking about just chats uh maybe or or yeah, there was yeah. there was also one about uh dion's favorite pairing i'm not sure if that was the one you're talking about or uh, either one I just I I want to make sure we don't miss any audience well, questions. If well, well I I, th- I think that's an important one from from Chad and 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 I think I already know the answer. But but Dion, there was a question: is is there uh, high end um, uh, machinery used to identify those gradients as you refer as you uh, specified or the color specific specifications that you put out there? Is it all done by eye or mm-hmm. is there instrumentation uh, that that aids in that? No, it's all done by eye. I mean, the 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 boncheros and roleros there, and the people that select tobaccos, are very very talented, and they know what they're doing. I mean, there's within the context of a shade of wrapper. Okay, you can have eighty, eighty-five different shades of tobacco from um, from your double claro all the way down to your uh, uh, oscuro. You know, your double oscuro, and everything in between. So. With that also comes flavor variations, right? So you could have the same leaf. So like if I, I'm pulling a wrapper from uh, from one of the farms, you know, in in in, uh, in 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 Jalapa, right? There's two farms that are primarily used for wrapper up there, <clears throat> and you know, one is sun grown and one is shade grown. Um, obviously. That's going to be different. The the physical characteristics of the leaf are going to be di- different when it's under cheesecloth, as opposed to grown in you know the natural sunlight. Uh, but that being said, you know people have always asked you know well how come you know how come it took you so long to use a Connecticut wrapper and, and how come you don't like Connecticut wrapper? It's it's not that I don't like Connecticut wrapper. I love Connecticut wrapper when it's used in the proper context, right? So, but the Corojo wrapper has given me. Everything that I've ever wanted to use. So, like, if you look at the Epernay, right? I mean, it's a um, it's a Cafe Claro wrapper. Uh, it's got that nice tan Cafe Latte color, maybe even a little lighter than that. Well, to me, that has given me everything that I would look for if I were looking into something in, like, a, a Habano, Connecticut, or a true Connecticut, Connecticut wrapper. So... I've always just stayed with Corojo because it, it was most familiar with me. 
Um, it was, it, it, I didn't have to go out and experiment and try and tweak the blend just to get it to match, you know, all these different leaves or all these different wrappers. You know, there's, there's manufacturers out there that'll use, you know, uh, everything from Cameroon to Connecticut, Connecticut to, to Habano, Connecticut to, uh, Corojo to Criollo. They use all these different varieties of wrapper and it's good. It, it elicits a specific blend and a flavor profile and a response. But my focus is really on the internals, right? So the internals are what I want to feature in the cigar. So it was a, a, a little, I don't know, for lack of better words, a little hint or a little thing that I took away from Hanky when I traveled to uh, Davidoff years ago uh, and went on one of their uh, tours. Hanky, for the most part, uses his uh, wrapper leaf for purely for aesthetics to look aesthetics. He, he really doesn't look, and I'm talking about the old classic brands like the Davidoff classic, uh, the special, uh, series, the, uh, grand Cru series, mm-hmm. all those Connecticut shaded, uh, wrappers are, are essentially a, a, a flavor neutral wrapper, right? Mm-hmm. So we can feature the flavors of the uh, binder and the filler. So Corojo is always going to impart some type of flavor. What you need to do when you're using Corojo, because Corojo, depending on the priming, where you take it from, and this is indicative of any wrapper, any type of variety, seed wrapper, you know, it doesn't matter. But, you know, as you go up the plant and it gets thicker, it'll have more, it'll have a a larger expression of flavor. When you go down and it's fermented properly, it might have a less, it might have a lesser expression, uh, expression of flavor. So what I've always looked for, I think, first and foremost in Corojo was number one, to have the aesthetics, the proper aesthetics. So it looks nice on the cigar. Number two, that it doesn't over influence or, you know, impart any sort of, uh, uh, influence one way or another. You know, it's like we were talking about um, all the tobaccos getting together and playing nicely. So you can have filler and binder together that's like the perfect balance. And then if you put the Corojo wrapper on there that might be a little too sharp in flavor, a little too sweet in flavor, it kinks the blend, right? So now what you're having to do is source, you know, you're having to readjust the internals to the characteristic of you know, the wrapper and it, it just, it, it, it becomes madness. So um, what I've done is always looked for almost a neutral flavor per se, a neutral, neutral slash sweet, you know, mildly sweet uh, characteristic in the Corojo wrapper so that it frees up the flavor of the oh. binder and filler, you know, to, to, to fully give off uh, its, its, its expression and what it wants to tell you. Not that, you know, not that I'm saying that the, my Corojo wrappers don't have influence on the overall blend because they do, but it's a much more manageable influence, I think, overall. And Corojo uh, wrapper allow, really allows me to do that. So um, to, to find that type, that, you know, that flavor profile that I'm looking for. I'm, I'm sorry, Rob. Can I just ask you a uh, follow-up yeah. question? Is something yeah, that keep said, going. You know, it's all good. <laughs> sorry, I'm taking notes as we're as we're going here. And uh, Dion, you you mentioned that uh, the, the Hot Ten specifically um, mm-hmm. that you use 68 percent of the filler of a specific uh, leaf from a specific right. farm. Mm-hmm. Is that 68 percent? Is that Corojo? 
Y- yes, 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 and no. It depends. It depends on the blend. Okay, so that particular cigar, that particular tobacco, is Criollo. It's cre- it's a specific Criollo from a farm uh, that we use. Now, normally, again, like I said, I don't like to use Criollo tobaccos as a major focus in a blend because they're kind of like a wild Mustang. Um, there's a lot of variables that you can get in the, in the lower primings. You know, you can get some bitterness, you can get, you know, a lot of things that just send it wacky, but you can find very, very nice, very sweet, you know, Criollo, uh, in, in certain, in, in certain farms, you know, particularly two that I can think of that just elicit the flavor that I'm looking for. Okay. Fantastic. I've I've never heard I've never heard anybody talk about the uh, using the wrapper as kind of your your base and 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 pulling your flavor from your binder and your fillers. I always hear it the opposite way. Right. At least I feel right. like I do. No, it's you just... do, and you do, and 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 look, that's that's correct. I mean, the, the wrapper can have a tremendous influence on the overall blend. You know, uh, relative to the uh to the the size of the ring gauge right i mean sure. so you can use like a san andreas maduro wrapper on a 42 ring gauge and it's going to have a very pronounced flavor now you can take it through the fermentation process and 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 you know soften the edges soften the the, the lows and the highs and the spikes to get a more temperate uh um uh, flavor out of that and you can kind of do that with 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 any wrapper but by and large i mean so like uh what's the one that 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 everybody likes to use right now the uh the fire cure you know the kentucky not the kentucky fire cure what the hell is it uh nicholas uses it a lot in his blends um, broadly broadly thank you yeah very pronounced flavor, very dominant yeah. flavor, very good, right? But you can also run into the same troubles. You can get very dominant. You can get very bitter, sour, ashy. Nicholas has a, a – he knows more about Connecticut tobacco, hmm. I think, than most anybody, if not anybody in the industry, other than, you know, the farmers in Connecticut. You know, translating that information into, you know, Nicaragua, he's, he is a tremendous source of information when it comes to, you know, uh, broadly. So he knows what he's looking for in that relative to what he wants to put together in a blend, you know, and, and, and really that's key. So if he wants his, his wrapper to influence more of the blend, then that's what he's going to do. It's like, you know, Carlito, Carlito Fuente, when he's um, blending, like say the Don Carlos series, or he's doing a Hemingway and he's using that beautiful Cameroon wrapper, that Cameroon wrapper has a lot of influence on that blend. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Again, it just comes down to what the blender is looking to do relative to the tobaccos that he's using, you know, to to give the overall uh, to, to to create that overall impression, that overall flavor. So this is this is kind of a cliched question, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I want to hear your answer. Um, when when you're going into the blending process. Like you're you're going to make a new cigar and, you know, whatever the impetus is behind that. You, so you kind of go in, oh, how am I going to word this? You, uh, you want to experience a specific flavor type and you are going to find the tobaccos to produce that or you're going to see the tobacco that you have to work with and yeah. 
work it that way. Exactly. So I'm going to let the tobacco do the speaking. You know, I'm going to let the tobacco okay. do the talking. So when I walk into a project and I say, okay, you know what? I want to try something new. I want to do something new. I, I, I want to see what's going on. What's, what's going on with this crop? What do we have? Uh, and, you know, the farmers were always bringing me things. Oh, you got to try this. You know, this, uh, we, uh, like we had this Criollo one year come out of Jalapa where they normally don't grow a lot of Criollo. They were growing it on one of the farms on a tiny little plot of farm. Uh, next to where I like to grab my Corolla from. And I smoked it. I'm like, wow, this is really, really good. And they're like, yeah, I know it is good. Because um, I've smoked it in the past, and it tended to be really aggressive. It tended to be really dominant, this Criollo tobacco that they planted in Jalapa. But one or two years they had it, I'm like, man, this is incredible. You know? So, um, and then there would be other cases like, you know, in, in, in the case of one-off, where um, I was reviewing some uh, Corojo tobacco that just came out of uh, uh, fermentation. And I was, you know, smoking the individual components. I think I was smoking cutting five, cutting four, cutting five. And, you know, I'm smoking it and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really weird. It's really interesting. I'm like, <clears throat> I'm getting a creaminess out of your tobacco out of this particular tobacco that was normally never there. I look, usually look for five or six uh, points when I'm uh, validating or smoking through tobacco. And it's usually just either the physical aspects or, again, like I said, the olfactory or whatever. But this immediately had like this creaminess to it. You normally don't get out of Nicaraguan tobaccos. You normally can get that more out of like um, Dominican tobaccos, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, how much of this do we have? And so we looked, we did the math and. Yeah, like, well, we got this much. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Now I'm going to build a blend around this to feature. And that's essentially what I do with all cigars. So if I go into a project, right, it's not like say, okay, I want to make a strong cigar or I want to make a peppery cigar or I want to make a smooth cigar or a mellow cigar. I just start going through tobacco. And then I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Because normally when you, when you smoke, components, Seco Viso Lajero, or, uh, you know, maybe various primings in between, they'll maybe have like one or two flavors, right? Kind of benign. One will be really sweet, but that's all it has. One will be really peppery, but that's kind of all it has. One might have two components, but then there's some tobaccos or some leaves you get that's almost like smoking a complete blend. It has everything. Sweet, salty, mm. sour, bitter, uh, it has that fifth and that almost that umami thing. And so I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to build the blend around. So I take that leaf and then I, I, and then add components to it to not cover it up, but merely enhance that flavor uh, to bring it forward. And that's kind of how, you know, not only all my, my cigars came along, but that's particularly how like one off uh, came about because it was a, it was an aspect. It was a, a, a note that I got in Eduardo's tobacco that I had never gotten before, never gotten. So I'm like, this is a special tobacco. We're going to use this for one-off. Yeah, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Randy, go ahead. Well, yeah, you know, as, as Rob said in the beginning of the show, you know, we both work in the beer industry and it's funny that you, that you describe it like that because, you know, there's so much, um, you know, in these types of products, I, I find that craft beer is very similar uh, to cigars in a lot of uh, right. in a lot of ways, but you know we talk constantly about our portfolio management 
we do go into projects specifically trying to, you know, we, we have whole meetings trying to define if we have a, uh, a gap in our portfolio. Is there, is there a, a segment of styles that we're missing with our portfolio? And you've been able to kind of, uh, and the way you're describing it at least, and tell me if, I, if I'm hearing you wrong, but it sounds like you go about it a completely different way. You look for a tobacco that inspires you and you create a project to deliver the best flavor possible. Correct. And if your portfolio... Uh, you know, is lacking in, you know, certain strong cigars or Maduro cigars, or you're really not worried about that. It'll eventually come to me. Yeah. It'll eventually present itself, but I'm in no rush. Very nice. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah, you know, I, I do feel like it'd be remiss, though, Rob, if, if we let the show come to an end. Uh, while we've got you here, Dion, you know, we, we are uh, going to be smoking um, four, for four weeks. We're going to smoke Corojo-wrapped cigars uh, consecutively. And, um, and, and while you've already said, you know, from one farm to another, from one season to another, you're going to have uh, a variance in, in flavor. What would, you, what would you say are the kind of uh, pillar flavor components that you would expect from Corojo if you were just to kind of generalize it and what what flavors do you find in Corojo specifically? So Corojo specific to Eduardo's tobacco now, I mean, you can find different uh, aspects of Corojo in Honduran tobacco to, um, you know, like uh, JRE tobaccos, Mm -hmm. you know, the Iroa family, or you can find different aspects of uh, Corojo in Placencia's uh, tobacco. Because they're all grown on different farms, so they're all like these different, different little microclimates and microcosms in different areas, uh, and how you treat it, mo- and even more importantly, how it goes through the fermentation process. But to kind of sum up Corojo, it's you know sweet, aromatic. Uh, it can have a bit of a floral characteristic to it. Uh, it has this chewiness, this richness. It's just like it, it's kind of like. It, it, it's just like the nuts and bolts. It's it's the meat of the project, you know, mm. and uh, it, it it it's 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 very satisfying to work with. Sometimes it can be very challenging, and you know, some some years it can you really want to just tear your hair out because you're not finding what you get. But again, that's dealing with a natural product that's dictated by Mother Nature. Uh, that you know, it's like wine industry, or it's like you know hops. You know, in the yep. beer industry, I mean, your hops uh, 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 batches are going to vary different, you know, widely and differently yep. um, through growing seasons. So, I, I mean, it, and it's like that with anything. But Corojo tends to be a, a, a something that, you know, it rarely lets me down. You know, I can always, always find some, I can always find something, I can always find uh, leaves of Corojo in Eduardo's operation that deliver exactly what I need relative to my blends. Beautifully said. Randy, that, Thank you. That was a good question. That was, uh, that was going to be, that was going to be my wrap up question. I, I do have one more and, um, this, uh, and Eric and Jordan chime in if there's any last, uh, questions from the audience as we wrap this up. But, the, uh, I remember the first time that I spoke with you at IPCPR, and this was the year after uh, uh, Fume de Amor came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, we're at the IPCPR show. It was still IPCPR at the time. And um, 
everybody wants to talk about what's new, what's your new release, what's new and exciting. Right, right. And I think that year you had released, uh, you had released it in a Lancero size, or it was a different uh, Vitola that you like, released. Yeah, it could have been, was... yeah, it could have been, uh, it was probably the Corona Gorda, maybe, the Concepcion. Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay, that makes yeah. more sense. Um, and I remember I, I was, we were talking, I think we were talking offline and, and, uh, I'd asked you if you, if you ever felt, you know, pressure to bring out a new cigar, especially when there's everything around the trade show is always about what's new. And you said something that's, that stuck with me since then. You said, you know, I just came out with a brand new cigar last year. And if I come out with something new now, it's not necessarily going to let that blend, which I think I still think is a fantastic blend, get its legs in the industry and really kind of grow as its own project. Right. Uh, I just I just really wanted to point that out because I just think that's a really cool way to look at it, especially in this industry where it seems like every day there has to be something new. Um, right. It's easy to forget that. Uh, I mean, there's many blenders out there that have just portfolios of fantastic cigars. And just because a cigar is two or three years old mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's uh, doesn't mean it's not good anymore. You know what I right. mean? Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And so it's funny because, you know, you mentioned that there's no other industry, I mean, that, that, that thrives on the what's new aspect, right? It's like, what you got? What you got that's new? So say like if I didn't come out one year, you know, there's been a few years where I didn't come out with anything new. And I'd sit down and I'd say, okay, well, have you, uh, have you smoked uh, original documents? Yeah, we carry. Okay, do you have the Maduro? Yeah, do you have um, um, uh, Cruzado? Yeah. Well, do you have uh, Garage East? Like, no, I never tried it. And I'm like, well, it's new to you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what's new. That's right. right. There you you know, perfect. So. Hey, perfect. hey, Dion, I've got a, sort of a more of a personal question. Um, there's a million tobacconists out there that, you know, have like a uh, house blend that's blended for them and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to think in my mind, Jordan, maybe you can help me out. Like, I can't think of many tobacconists that have like maybe eclipsed themselves as a blender like you have so yeah, like the great point the question i have is do you see yourself as a tobacconist or do you see yourself as a, a blender manufacturer how do you see yourself and do you think it's is that something that you're proud of that you have become maybe you know one of these guys like on the same you know pete johnson sort of level but yet you're a tobacconist at the same time that that's interesting to me yeah, you know, so I think, you know, Pete Johnson and I both came from the same backgrounds. We both played music on about the same time. We both worked in cigar stores at about the same time. And then, you know, he got into the back end of the business a couple, you know, three years before I did. So, um, you know, I, I guess to answer that question, I mean, I think I, I, I like to look at it as a, a, a blend, a blended uh, package, right? Because... I felt that, you know, being a tobacconist, being a retailer, it was always important me important to me to have as much information possible to be able to take care of my clientele and find them exactly what they want, right? And so there's only just so much information that you can get on the front end before you either start A, making things up, or just B, not being able to answer the question. So it was always my... I, I think like desire or like curiosity to say, okay, this cigar is really good, but why is it good? What makes it good? You know, so I could take brand X and go, well, a lot of people are smoking this cigar. Why are they smoking it? Corojo tobacco, or there's this, they're smoking this one over here. They really like this. 
There's a predominance of Criollo tobacco. So it really piqued my curiosity on not only just because it's a good cigar, but why it's a good cigar. So then by being able to put my hands on tobacco and almost in a sense back engineer, you know, and find out why things are good for that reason or why people are, are kind of gravitating towards that particular style or that particular blend. It just, it, it kind of emboldened me or give, gave me a, a lot more confidence uh, when I would talk to clients but uh, or, or, you know, people that really wanted to enjoy cigar, you know, really want to enjoy a cigar. Maybe they were new to it or they were seasoned. Uh, whatever the case may be, it, it was almost like a quest. I, I want to find out why I want to do it. There's a great book. It's called The Day After Roswell, and it kind of sums it up. Um, it's about this guy, Philip J. Corso. And he was assigned, uh, he was a colonel, he was assigned to um, a project after the crash at uh, uh, Roswell, right? So he worked at an Air Force base, and then these, uh, these, these guys that, that had these parts, they would bring this component to him. And they would go, we want you to take this to your scientists and find out what it is and what it does, what it's supposed to do. So you take it to a scientist and they would essentially back engineer it. And they would say, oh, well, mm. you know, this is a transistor or, you know, this is Velcro or this is a, uh, a propulsion you know, machine. So it, it's kind of like in that regard, it's like taking something that's a finished product that you, you're looking at it. And you're like, man, it's just, wow, this is a cigar, but it's different. It's got something else going on that, that nothing else has. Well, that piqued my curiosity. And that's what I wanted to get to the root uh, uh, the, 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 the end all be all question is why, why is that cigar good? Why does it perform like that? And why do so many people like it? And it's not like I was going after, you know, uh, uh a large segment of, you know, the smoking population. Oh, I'm going to make this cigar that, that everybody's going to like, because, you know, I'm going to take this cigar that's really good and I'm going to mimic it. That's a, it's actually the opposite of what I wanted to do. Everybody back in the day, I think with Nicaraguan tobacco, you know, the strength of Nicaraguan tobacco generally is very full bodied, very rich, very flavorful. It just goes up and up and up, you know, just really, you know, really uh, uh, strong. But I wanted to go the opposite way. I wanted to go down. I said, okay, let's make a scar that's, that's mild, that's, that, that's delicate, but that, that has a lot of complexity. Right. So um, I said it many times before and I'll say it again, you know, Hanky, one of his, one of Hanky Henry Kellner's famous quotes is, is, "It's really, really easy to make a strong cigar. It's the easiest thing in the world to make a strong cigar. It's, however, very, very difficult to make a mild-bodied cigar that's 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 mild, but full in flavor and complex. So right. that always stuck with me. And mm. so whenever I was putting things together and tobaccos together, I always thought about that. Okay, how can we make these tobaccos, you know, that are that are lower priming, mild side, very rich, very flavorful, very uh, multi-dimensional, right? As a lot of my cigars, you know, in that mild and medium-bodied range, you know, can be. And uh, you know, it's difficult, uh, but in the end, it's it's uh, you know, it's very rewarding. Can I just say that was the most like nonchalant mentioning of alien technology. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That was well, I, I wormed it right in there. 
That was, I, was, I, I figured there was going to be a reference at some point, and I was waiting for it. And then as we got close to the end, I thought, oh, man, maybe it's not going to happen. But uh, I'll, I'll be honest, while you were talking, I've, uh, I ordered that book, so I'm going to... Uh, oh, it's I'm an awesome book. Check. It's awesome. Um, you'll, you'll read it in, like, two days. That's, uh, you're giving me too much credit, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, well, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, Dion, this has been a blast, man. This has been, uh, so much fun. Really appreciate you taking the time, uh, to hang out. Randy, we should touch on this pairing, um, as, uh, you know, that is kind of the the focus of the show. I know these, uh, these, uh, shows where we have the the guests on, the idea is to have, have them talk and not us that much, which is, uh, Probably everybody enjoys that, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, but <laughs> today uh, it's this. Ah, and, 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 your, and your smoke of choice for the show today, Dion? Today it's this. The MK Ultra. No, it's the Triple Eight Ultra. This is something mm-hmm. that is not made for anyone except for me. There's a little story <laughs> behind it. I can tell you about it. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go over your time limit. Um, no, we're no, we're no. so. Well, we're talking about Corojo, right? So this is Corojo Bomb. Wow! Uh, one really? of the one of the uh, a, a couple three trips ago, um, I was I was at Tabsa at the factory, and uh, some of my production had come off for the day, and they had, they were they were in the middle of switching production. So there was one day when uh, I didn't have a lot of uh, skews on the uh, in, in the Galera, right? They weren't rolling a lot of cigars, so. It was kind of like a, a free day for me, which really isn't free. But anyways, um, so I was practicing my bunching skills, right? I was practicing my bunching and rolling skills. And so I'm just in the back. I'm dinking around with tobacco. And I walk in and I see this box on the floor. And it's got a two, it's got a, it's, it's a piece of paper on it. It says 2006. So I grabbed some Viso out of there. Um, at the time, I, I had assumed it was Viso because it was the right size. It was the right texture. So I go back into the office and I'm rolling it. I'm like, wow, wow, this is, this is crazy. This is really good. So I go find Harold. Harold is the uh, kind of like the salon manager. He, he like runs the entire operation. He's a phenomenal person. And so I'm like, Harold, I'm like, there's a box of 2000, there's a box of tobacco back there that says 2006. And he's like, really? And he's like, yeah, show me. So I go back there. I'm like, this is Viso 2006. And it was the uh, strain of Corojo 2006, which uh, Eduardo kind of experiments from time to time, uh, growing different strains or different varieties of Corojo or Criollo. So uh, he had some of this and it was in there. And so there was, I said, so how much of that tobacco is there? I said, about a bale or so. He's like, yeah, maybe it looks like a little less. So I got the calculator out and I'm like, so in a six and three quarter by 48 size, that'll do just roughly about a thousand, 1200 cigars. He's like, yeah, it's about a thousand cigars. So I said, okay, I want all that. I want all that tobacco. So I said, we're going to go. Uh, I, I said, I, I got the blend chart out, and I said, we're going to substitute the Corojo that I normally use in the Ultra Blend for it with this 2006. Mm-hmm. So I put it in there, um, and I use one and a half to two leaves of of, of Lajero from uh, two different farms there. And he's like, you know, you got to be careful because. This tobacco doesn't necessarily play nice with this uh, Lajero from this particular farm. I'm like, okay, no problem. So we put it together, we smoke it, and it's just dead on. I'm like, man, he like looks at me. I'm like, that's really good. I said, okay. I said, I want all that tobacco. Make a six and three quarter by forty eight, 
I said, I want all of it. Send it to me when it's done. I just want it for me to smoke myself. So, so is the six and three quarter by 48 your yeah, go to Vitola? Yeah, it's a triple eight size. Yeah, okay. it's a triple eight size. So it's essentially the triple eight size uh, <laughs> with the ultra influence in it. So it's the 2006 Viso 2006 in the ultra blend. So that's how I kind of delineated it when I brought it in. I said, just put an ultra secondary band on there so I know what it is when it comes in. So, but it's phenomenal. That's, it's it must of, be one nice. Of favorite, one of my favorite things to date. Wow. It, it must be nice to just walk in and there's a random box and it's like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's something special and you taste it. Like, yeah, I'll take all of it. I just, I want all of it. Yeah. Throw, throw it well, in and again, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's the relationship that I, you know, that I have with Eduardo and, you know, that they've really, you know, blessed me with, allowed me to do, uh, because, you know, we all help each other when it comes down to it. We help each sure. other. Uh, you know, when I'm there, if Nick's not there, you know, I'm helping review his blends, making sure that all the right tobacco is in there, vice versa. So we all kind of have each other's back. We have a really, really good relationship in the factory. That's awesome. Amazing. That's awesome. Again, Dion, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Thanks. You got it. I do appreciate it. When uh, your your uh, lounge, I assume, is not open for uh, for visitors yeah, right now. Yeah, not for seating, right? So it's it's just uh, buy and fly. You know, we're kind of stuck in phase two right now. So when phase three comes about, which doesn't look like it's going to be for a while, that's when we'll probably start allowing people to sit in the lounge. You know, once we can close that social distancing gap so we can get everybody in there to enjoy a cigar, you know, not piss off all the regulars saying, oh, well, we can only have five people in here. I know we can seat 20, but only five, you know. Yeah, I I hear you. I don't want to do it. Well, when when uh, when the world gets back to normal, Randy and I are going to take a road trip. uh, no I guess it's about what about a two hour drive for us and we'll come up and visit with you and, and yeah man uh, bring me yeah bring me some Pliny. you got that's, it that's oh, you yeah know that's easy it's done uh, but you're probably not near I need some uh I need some Napa Valley olive oil I think we can do that too yeah I'm, I'm yeah. The gallon I'm go through gallons of that stuff Randy yeah. invented olive oil <laughs> <laughs> no I, I did actually use to sell presses to olive uh, produce wow. uh, uh, olive oil producers. Real small small presses, uh, more in the Livermore Valley, but uh, but but we're pretty close to Napa as well. Nice. Uh, Dion, one of our ongoing uh, one of our ongoing bits for this show is to find something that Randy does not have a background in, and uh, we we haven't found it yet. We're still looking. Um, typewriters. Bought, he, oh, typewriters. That's a good one. Yeah, no, I'm pre- I'm pretty clear. If if it's flavor, I'm all in on it. I I, I don't dabble much outside of, of that world though. <laughs> Have you ever hey, tasted a selectric, Randy? A selectric. Oh man, the flavor is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and there, and one other thing I want to say before we uh, start to wrap this up, Dion, when you were talking about blending um, like a strong cigar and, and how it's like you know anybody can do it really. I mean, air quotes, anybody can do it, right? Right. Um, and to blend something that's a bit more delicate is is more difficult. There's a there, that's a, such a strong corollary to the beer industry. As, as Randy likes to say, you can you can fall down and make a good stout, but uh, yeah. but to make a to make a nice uh, lager with some flavor to it and some depth to it is uh, is the real is the yeah. true uh, yeah, yeah that's the true show of, uh, of someone. With- Robbie, Randy, we need Lots. we need thumbs up or thumbs down for you from you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting there. We're All getting right. there. Uh, 
we're, we're, we're getting there. So uh, anyway, that was the last thing I wanted to say. Dion, thanks again for the ninth time. Really appreciate you being here. <laughs> Don't go away, time. Dion. Don't go away. All right. Yeah, just hang with us for a little bit. Uh, Randy, I'm just going to say I'm going to go thumbs up. The, the flavor from the root beer did not overpower um, anything, really. It was kind of elevating the cigar a little bit for me pulling out some extra sweetness. I thought some sweetness would get run over, but uh, it, it, seemed, it seemed to kind of elevate it. Um, I mean, still for me with this, uh, uh, how do we say it again? Oat, oat 10? Oat. 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 Um, I want to not say the H. Oat. Uh, anyway, I want to just have it with just like a Topo Chico so I can just really get all this flavor of the cigar and there's nothing else that's really getting in the way. But uh, yeah, I'll give this one a thumbs up, Randy. How about you? Yeah, uh, the Bundaberg ended up uh, being a uh, a little bit softer uh, character for a root beer. Didn't have that uh, spicy bite yeah. that uh, that that a barks or or, or some of the, those uh, sharper uh, root beers would have, which I, I think was perfect. Is um, the the spice components of the cigar are subdued, if if at all. Uh, it re- really uh, lent to a great pairing. Yeah, I'm thumbs up. Awesome, awesome. So go, double thumbs up. Boys, what do we have going on for uh, Smoke Night Live on Friday? So, guys, so this show that you guys just watched, Flavor Odyssey with Dion, that was like an intellectual uh, experience, and there was tons of fantastic information that cigar nerds would love to have. And I just sat here and enjoyed everything. But fr- Friday night is going to be the opposite of that. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally going to be a train wreck. We've got uh, Terrence Riley... We've got Matt Booth, we've got Juan Cancel and Kevin Kaithen, and it, apparently at this point of the night, they, they promised me they would be at least, you know, like a half a Tito's bottle in, so it's going to be a train wreck to say the least, so <laughs> make sure to tune in to uh, Smoke Night Live on Friday. We were going to have Terrence and Matt do the uh, happy hour virtual herf, but we decided, heck, that's just too good. That's just this is just too good to pass up. So we decided to turn it into Smoke Night Live. So uh, Smoke Night Live, Matt Booth, Terrence Riley, Juan Cancel, Kevin Kaithen, me and Jordan. It'll be a blast. Tune in Friday night. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes. And Randy, we'll be back uh, next week. And yes. off the top of my head, I don't. We, which one are we smoking next we week? We will be smoking the El Huehuense, uh, sticking with beautiful. the Agonor uh Corojo uh, tobacco. And uh, you will be doing a live on Monday to let everybody know what we're pairing it with. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll let you guys know what that pairing is. Again, Dion, this was a blast. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. We really do appreciate it. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We'll see you guys next Wednesday as the Odyssey continues. Thank you.